Welcome to the Conscious Folk Podcast, where we highlight stories in the Caribbean contributing to a healthier society, a mindful movement, and the global collective consciousness. Let's get right to it. Welcome back to another Conscious Folk episode. Today, we'll be chatting with Brenda Roach, who is a counseling psychologist and the author of a book that Melissa and I absolutely love called Reflecting and Journaling Towards a Meaningful Life. Brenda, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yay! So, to get things started, we do have a question to ask you. It's at the beginning of your book. And it says, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Do you? I think so. Um, I love I love how I started that actually, because um, it reminds me of being a little girl, um, living in the UK at the time because I'm British born. Mm-hmm. Um, my love for cartoons, you know, growing up on Looney Tunes and Scooby Doo and and those types of cartoons, Flintstones, Jetsons was Jetsons was my favorite, yeah. um, and I still believe I have those childlike qualities because I like to watch cartoons every once in a while when I get the chance um I love Christmas and everything that surrounds that the movies even though my husband says that all the movies end the same way I don't care I still love them um (laughs) so yeah um growing up with I had I have two sisters but one that I've grown up with so typically when you see me you see her Mm -hmm. um and then the other one um, we don't have the same parents. We only have the same father. And, so, mm. and she lives overseas, but we've reconnected. And, and that bond is going good as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I know who I was before the world told me who I should be. I was shy at first. Um, very introverted. I'm still introverted, but not as introverted as I was when I was growing up. I used to love books, reading. That was my, you know, that's a, that was my safe haven, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, being absorbed and getting involved in the book, you know, almost as though you were living it and you, you were like, wait, was that something I was reading or was that something I was watching? So that was me in a nutshell. I love that because, you know, you know, in any kind of conversation or interview, when you're introducing um, someone to, um, to anyone for the first time, you have that question of, Tell us a bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the question of, um, can you remember who you, you were, were before the world told you, gives us such insight to who you are at the core. Correct. You know, it, outside of the accolades and achievements and all that, we know now who Brenda is. It's that woman who loves the Jetsons because mm-hmm. maybe she loves the future and, and the wonderment of it. You know what I mean? She loves Flintstone and Scooby-Doo. You know, she was she a bit shy. A she loves Christmas. She likes a little bit of That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. So we got to know more about you from that question mm-hmm. than just saying, Tell us a bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so what compelled you to write this book? Well, for me, I'm one of those people who always wanted to write a book mm-hmm. about her life. Um, and I felt that there were some things in there that I figured could help others. So, for instance, the part where with loss and dealing with that loss, especially losing a mother at such a young age, um, and as well as women in general going through those menstrual cycles that we always thought is normal to be painful yeah and I had that throughout my life my childhood growing up and being told well hey it's only a menstrual cycle so I mean you can get up and move and do what you're supposed to do and that's just because you know that's what culture taught us to expect and so I wrote that part in as well so that women would not feel as alone as well um even the part about infertility and struggling with that you know coming to terms with that 
being a woman who could not produce a child mm-hmm. and the impact that that has on you as an individual the impact that that has for society as well because a lot of women typically ask oh and you're still married and I'm and I'm like yes I'm still married wow. I'm uh, you know I still live a full life yeah. even though I can't have children um I do want to ask you what has the response been like about you being so open and so honest because we live in a society where people hide things um, where they feel like these are not things that people need to know about them ever mm-hmm. for fear of, you know, the backlash, for getting similar mm-hmm. comments, like you said. So what was it like um, with your friends and your family and like your colleagues when you said, you know what, this is something that I'm going to be doing. And when you actually did it, what was the response from that? Mm-hmm. I like that question. Well, first off, my family, number one supporters, biggest fans, everything. You speak about so, them a lot in the book. Yes, <laughs> because they, they support me no matter what I do throughout my whole journey so when I first said I wanted to write a book my husband was like well go for it because I always said I wanted to write a book and then when my sister started reading it because I let them read a few snippets and Mm -hmm. stuff and when my sister started reading it it brought back a lot of our childhood to her so you know it made her emotional and stuff like that and I also wanted to normalize the fact that we as therapists as well we're human we go through things we go through life Mm -hmm. right we don't have all the answers We struggle sometimes as well. So I wanted to normalize that fact that, you know, we are human beings. So, yes, it's okay to talk about the experiences that you have. It helps others to see, well, hey, I can rise above. I can live through. I can get through. And so that that's really that was really my main focus. I really love that, especially when you said that you don't have all the answers. Because I think we assume that anybody who says that they're a professional or an expert, that they have all the answers, and nobody does. I actually think there's a point in your book where you wrote, I don't know, and that's okay. It was either that you wrote it, or as I was reading it, that came to me, Mm -hmm. and I wrote it down because... I think we all feel like we should have all the answers, we should know everything, but it's nice to understand that, yeah, I don't have all the answers, and that's quite all right. Um, Before we continue... There was an observation that we made while we yep. were reading the book, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. Um, your book was published in 2020, mm-hmm. which it feels like there's some kind of like synchronicity where that's concerned. Because uh, 2020 is obviously, you know, people say in hindsight, so looking back in 2020, and then 2020, the year when the world just kind of like hard stop. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a choice but to sit and reflect. So did it ever occur to you that your book came out within that year and then considering what 2020 actually means in terms of hindsight, did that ever occur to you? It did. Um, At the time that I was writing it, I felt that this was the right time. Number one, Mm. because it allowed me to slow down enough to get the words on the paper on the screen. And number two, because I was talking with a lot of clients, a lot of people who were struggling. They were struggling with the fact that They had to sit with themselves. They had to sit with their feelings, their thoughts. And it scared a lot of them. Um, I found that people, or I find that, people tend to busy themselves throughout their daily lives, right? They get so busy and they get caught up. And I'm not saying that that is not necessary because, of course, we have bills to pay. We have to make sure we provide and we have to make sure we buy groceries, that kind of thing. And so that tends to monopolize a lot of our time. And so we don't take the time to sit down with ourselves, find out if we like who we are, find out if we like what we do, find out if we like the people who we are surrounded by, Mm -hmm. you know, People struggled with the fact that they were in a house with people that they really didn't know, they didn't understand, Mm -hmm. they did not get why they behaved the way they did. 
all those things. And so it was a myriad of things that made me decide to, okay, let me write this and see if I can get this published now so that people can have access to it. God bless. Good timing. <laughs> that is real. Well, this leads us to the first chapter where you talk about reflection, self-reflection, the importance of that. And our listeners are very familiar with the term self-reflection because uh, being conscious folk, uh, we are hoping that mm-hmm. self-reflection is a big part of what we do. But for those... Um, who the term might be new to. Can you just break down self-reflection a little more? Sure. So, for instance, we know that reflection means taking a look at your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, why you behave the way you do. So self-reflection now takes it just a little bit deeper. And so it, it looks at, if you go and look at yourself in the mirror, not just the outward signs of what you see, your eyes are beautiful, you know, your hair, that kind of thing, but also what's inside Do you appreciate what is inside of you? Do you appreciate how you react to certain situations? Do you appreciate the triggers, things that may trigger you to be frustrated, be angry, be jealous, be upset, you know? So that's what the self-reflection is really about. And it's about when you see those sides of yourself, what what does it say to you? So does it say that you like who you are? Does it say that you are okay with the behaviors that you exhibit? So can I go and give myself a clap, a round of applause, mm-hmm. a pat on the back for how my day turned out today because I've reflected on it and I, and I like what I've done? Or does it mean that I need to take stock, see what those lessons have taught me and how can I change or pivot mm-hmm. to do something different? And how often do you think someone should self-reflect? Do you think it should be a daily, early in the morning thing, at the end of the day thing? Because I'm thinking about a mother who may have two young toddlers going, I don't have any time to self-reflect. I don't really have any time for myself except maybe four in the morning. Or if the baby wakes up and the baby drops back to sleep and she has that little window where she's incredibly tired, she may say, you know what, I'm just going to stay up for the rest of the day and get things going. So... I guess I'm, I'm wondering what's a nice, realistic, practical way for people to self, self-reflect? self <laughs> And again, it depends on the person. It mm-hmm. depends on the individual. I'm a morning person by nature. So for me, self-reflection happens first thing in the morning at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's my time. Um, so 4.30 to 5, I'm doing that kind of thing. Reflecting on what happened yesterday because I like to do the day before thing. So I reflect on the day, see what went well, see what did not go so well and see what I can change for today. You know, um, for others, it may be late in the evening. So, for instance, my sister, she's she's a night person more so. And so she usually does her reflection at the end of the day. See what happened throughout the day. Um, How did I react to my co-worker or my boss who irritated me today? Was that the appropriate response? So it all depends on the individual. For for mothers, like you spoke about just now, who have two small toddlers, maybe it is sometime during the day in between naps. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you can take that time to just pause and just sit with yourself and what has happened maybe in the first half of the morning mm-hmm. and then think about what you will do for the latter part of the day. It's a form of meditation, isn't it? Because I feel like you can even do that when you're washing up the dishes. Correct. Mm-hmm. Just take a moment as you're washing up the dishes in between naps and like, okay, so here's what happened. Why did it make me feel that way? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do differently? And that's a great way of looking at it. So when it comes to self-reflection, we know that a tool for self-reflection would be journaling. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about what exactly is journaling and how you discovered it. Okay, so journaling is jotting down your thoughts, your feelings, or maybe um, situations or events that have happened in your life. Looking at it and seeing whether it is as bad as you thought it was in your mind or whether it is something that can be broken down Mm -hmm. into separate chunks and then 
taking that apart a bit further. You see, because a lot of us keep everything in our heads, right? And when we keep things in our heads, and Melissa's turning away, <laughs> when we keep things in our heads, it, it tends to magnify and become so enormous and so insurmountable, yeah. right? Uh, and then our minds run away with us. We have vivid imaginations. I'm, I'm guilty of that too. I have a vivid imagination. Um, and so I find when we jot things down, it helps us to see whether things are as bad as we think they are. And more times often than not, they're not as bad as we think they so are. So true. As a self-confessed introvert, that is spot on. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you said you're an introvert as yes. well. And I feel like I do the same thing where everything is in my head and there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to journaling, as you mentioned, just writing everything down, it's like, Melissa, that wasn't really that serious. You could have handled that a lot better. Correct. But yeah, that's absolutely correct. So how did you actually discover the act of journaling? So I think my mother is who introduced me to that. Um, at a very young age, because I guess she saw that I was introverted as well. I used to just keep to myself a lot. I was very quiet, um, very shy. Um, so she would have introduced me to that. So first off, we had the diary mm-hmm. that, you know, the locked ones. Yes. That, you know, they couldn't really lock. one. Yeah, yes. And they couldn't really lock. But, you know, you felt as though all your thoughts, your secrets were safe yes. inside that yes. little book. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I enjoy journaling from from small journaling what happened throughout school my school day what happened um luckily for me I have an extrovert as a sister Mm -hmm. the one that I'm very close to and so I I couldn't really get away with just being in the background and staying silent right so she always used to (laughs) that's the point to me (laughs) yes she always used to encourage me to you know talk tell her what's happening and of course nobody can do me anything Mm -hmm. in school either because she would come running that was my defense so that's how I really got into journaling. And my mother encouraged me to just, just jot down things, write things, don't keep everything bottled up inside and get it out onto paper. So when I was younger, I used to journal a lot. Mm. So much that I had like 20 journals at my parents' house underneath the stairs like, in a box. <laughs> and my mother called and said, can we throw these away? And I was like, "What? hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. And it's not like I go back and keep looking at them. I just, I don't want you to throw them away yet. <laughs> I got rid of a few and some I kept because I like to look back and and read what I thought I was gonna be, who I thought I was gonna be, um, as I got older. You know, if, if, if certain dreams came true and all that, <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love to look back at that and laugh at certain things or stories about boys that I liked. I like I like to look back and laugh at that. I used to literally journal everything. To the point that, I mean, I, I think I studied film because I thought I was going to be a scriptwriter, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I love to tell stories. Mm-hmm. As I got older, I, I found that I just, I don't write down my thoughts as much. My thoughts come out as bullet points <laughs> or quick lists or maybe a two paragraph and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then I wonder if I'm losing something or I don't know, or how can I recapture, I guess, the art of sitting down and telling that story. And again, it's all about your growth. Mm. It's all about your journey. So you started off writing every single thing down before. Maybe you're in the phase of your life now where you just need, you know, the practicality of a journal. Mm. Having So you pretty much do a bullet type journal where you just jot down bullet points as to for practicality and simplicity in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. So it all depends on the journey and where you are in your journey. I started out writing down stories similar to you. Um, and then that drifted off a little bit, and then I picked it back up again, and now I am still writing stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that you said that, because sometimes people may feel like, you know, what happened? I used to journal, or I don't do this like I used to, or 
maybe I just, maybe journaling isn't for me, you know? Like, so it's good to hear that maybe depending on where you are in life, mm-hmm. the journal will call you, call you back to it, you know, in a certain way. So that leads us to another question. Is there a right or wrong way to journal? Exactly. And what if there's somebody who's like Tracy, they're not necessarily that comfortable or they're not in that place where they write everything down. Mm-hmm. Is there something else that they could be doing to journal? Could they be doing a video diary of some sort? Like, what are the options for, for journaling? Yeah. Okay, so there's no right or wrong way to journal. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Journaling is, is a non-judgmental space that you choose for yourself. So if it is that you decide that you're going to sit down and you're going to start journaling, you have to bear in mind that you're just talking to you. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what you write. No one is going to judge you unless you plan to do all the judging yourself. Um, so it, it, there's no right or wrong way. So however you choose to do it, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another question you asked and it completely slipped my mind. Oh, like um, the different, I guess, forms of it. Right. Um, and I, I think another question we'd had was, like, maybe different forms of journaling appeal to different personalities. Mm-hmm. Right. As well. So yes. Like, using your phone. Yeah. Or right. post-it notes somewhere. Yeah. Or That's scrapbooking. That's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I actually do have a few clients that do the post-it notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. It depends on the individual. And it depends on what works for you. So, for me, I am, according to my husband, old school. So, I like the pen and paper. Mm-hmm. I like to write. There are some that like to just put notes in their phones. So, you know, we, we have a note section in your phone and yeah. you just start to jot on things in your phone. There's some who use their laptop and actually just create like a journal in their laptop, like a file, and then they, like a file, yeah. and you just go in and you, and you type every day or you type whenever you, you get the, the drive to type. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people whose personality types like art and color and that kind of thing. And so then they go into the art type of journaling mm-hmm. where you have, in, and you introduce paints and colors and, and that kind of thing, crayons. Mm-hmm. I mean, get him back what, to... you were thinking about songwriting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. And unreleased songs. Yes. yes. That's correct. And just put them down. Or Hi, poetry. <laughs> some, some people put their thoughts into poems. Yeah. And so that's a way of getting, you know, your feelings out. I love that. It's such a safe space, though. Yes. And it's interesting because I was wondering if there was a difference between keeping a journal and keeping a diary. And the reason I wondered about that is because we had um, Janelle Chase Mares on Conscious Folk last season. Mm-hmm. And she talked about the difference between a safe space and a sacred space. And I feel like once I shifted into what I thought was the idea of journaling, it became more of a sacred space mm-hmm. and less of a... Let me just drop my points down. It was more of a, let me assess what's going on with me and figuring out how I need to like shift my behavior, my mm-hmm. thought process based on that. Mm-hmm. So is there a difference between just keeping a diary and between journaling with intention? Yes, correct. And all the points you just mentioned mm-hmm. are actually the differences. Okay. So they're similar as well as being different. Mm-hmm. So the journaling is you're actually writing down your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, how they have impacted you, what has triggered you, that kind of thing. Taking an analysis of that, seeing if you are happy with however you behaved, whatever was the outcome. If you're if you were happy with it, fine. You can leave that alone. Mm-hmm. If you were not happy with it, what can you do to change how you behaved, how you reacted to the certain situation? Whereas now the diary now, you're really just jotting down things that maybe through a timeline, mm-hmm. um, maybe Throughout your day, you need you need to make notes of what you have in terms of your schedule, so you can use a diary to do that. Diaries and planners pretty much similar in that sense. Right, you chronologically organize 
Yeah, so it makes you feel a bit more productive. Mm -hmm. And for me, I see the sense in that as well because I have my journal and I also have a notepad that I would use. I would still head it up like with the date and everything, but then I put all the bullet points as the things that I need to cover. Mm -hmm. So like a to-do list. Yeah. And then I tick off so that I can, you know, make sure I'm accomplishing what I want to. You are my people, Brenda. (laughs) (laughs) You are my people. Can we talk about some of the benefits of journaling, I guess, long-term? Because I'm thinking about the benefits of meditation long-term because some people start and they're like I can't seem to quiet my thoughts and then they they stick with it and they're like oh I realize what it is not necessarily quieting my thoughts but it's watching my thoughts and eventually you know they learn they learn Mm -hmm. their flow in meditation and I wonder and then it also helps the brain and your response to stress and that kind of thing can journaling do something similar because if you get into a really I don't know heightened situation where you feel all hyped up you know what I mean and you're going to flight um, fight or freeze Mm -hmm. Can a process of journaling long-term help you to face those kind of situations in a different way? Can it actually change your brain pathways? Mm-hmm. Yes, it can. Oh. Um, there are actually, um, there's actually a science behind it in terms of how you shift. It shifts your mindset mm-hmm. into a different way of thinking. So it, initially, you may be the type of person who jumps off the handle pretty quickly. Right. Um, as something happens, you react. So you go from zero to 100 in like a second. Whereas you may have the other person, <laughs> Tracy's laughing, you may have another, another person who is a bit more methodical. Mm. They think through and that kind of thing before they make, you know, a step or a, take an action plan. And so journaling can help in that sense in terms of if you make it consistent. So you make it consistent over a period of time. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. But of course, gradually, you begin to notice subtle changes within yourself subtle changes within the way you think about certain situations. So what would normally have, I guess, scared you, frightened you, sent you straight into flight mode, Mm -hmm. now you're able to be a bit more calm in your approach. You're able to think through the process a bit more and then figure out what you plan to do. Yeah, so it it, it does shift your mindset and it's a gradual something. Sometimes you don't even realize that you have shifted until you actually are at the end. And then you look back and you think, well, two years ago, I would have been a completely different person. (laughs) I I actually see that with meditation, you know, like after years now, I see myself responding to things so differently. And I'm like, I know, I know exactly what that is. (laughs) And you don't really see that in the beginning. Correct. You just wonder, okay, I keep doing this thing. I hope, I hope that it means something eventually. And after a number of years... Then it and it becomes part of life. It really does change how you respond. So mm-hmm. good to know that journaling can do the same thing mm-hmm. long term. What about the short term benefits of journaling? So short term, you get to, you can make some clear ahead. Maybe clear ahead, but it also gives you a bit of healing. Mm. So short term, you may have been holding on to certain things that may have happened in in the in your past. Right, And you may not even realize you're holding on to them until you actually release them onto the paper, the laptop, however you decide to journal. And then you realize how freeing it is, how much lighter you feel as a person, you know, when you let go of. So I find in the short term, it does offer some very healing benefits. I think we can relate to this. Like if we think about a therapy session Mm -hmm. and the therapist saying, okay, I want you to write down these particular thoughts on why you thought you felt like X mm-hmm. in a particular situation and it does help mm-hmm. in the short term because you may just be doing that therapy those therapy sessions for a period of time right. but in journaling in that in that period it really makes things a lot clearer for mm-hmm. you. I was just going to say though because even similar to therapy I find that 
yeah, you might do it for a short space of time, but there are people who obviously see a therapist on a regular basis. Yeah. And similarly with journaling, like the more consistent you are with it, the easier it gets to kind of face those parts of yourself mm-hmm. that you try to avoid. Mm-hmm. I know when I first really thought about the difference between keeping a diary and keeping a journal, a diary for me was kind of like a, here's what I would like my life to be. I was never addressing what was going on with me mm-hmm. because even in that time, it felt like, I didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. I didn't want to address all those things that were happening with me and how I was feeling about it. But that's not a way to heal. Correct. That's not a way to heal. And it took me a really long time to figure that out. And then I realized from journaling consistently and actually addressing what was happening with me in that moment and taking the time to do that every single day. Looking back, I could see every day you got a little better. Mm-hmm. You got a mm-hmm. little better over it. And, you know... Before, I would be very hesitant about reading previous journal entries Mm -hmm. because then it would just be on the days that I was angry. So it was just a whole book of anger Mm -hmm. and frustration and these horrible things are happening and why are these things happening? But then the more that I I wrote like every single day, whether I felt good, whether I felt bad, whether I felt like meh, and I started to see, okay, so here's how it's kind of healing me over time. So yeah, it's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. You just made me think of like Alanis Morissette albums. Please! You said like, I you, know, love you had a book of anger, and I feel like that's Jagged Little Pill. Yes, it is Jagged Little Pill. Definitely. And in a way, that's her diary. That's her journal. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. And, and it's necessary. That that book of all the bad things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. Just like in therapy, you know, you start off with letting the client just speak, just talk, mm-hmm. talk about whatever it is that's happening, and you have that for a couple of a couple of sessions, mm-hmm. and then you get to starting to address it because mm-hmm. you can't continue. Just talking about all the bad things. We have to figure out how we're going to work through them and how you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. Awesome. So, Brenda, someone listening just heard what Melissa said. You're a therapist. So, sorry, I can't think psychologist. So, someone (laughs) is saying, oh, my gosh, just like Melissa, like, I I feel like her. I mean, you're not there anymore, but someone is going, I'm afraid to write my thoughts down. I'm afraid to write down what is happening in my life and facing that. How can someone be less afraid of that and and approach journaling about their issues? Okay, so you can start small. So that's why I have the guided one, Mm -hmm. because I have a lot of people who, when I say, would you like to try some journaling? Because even when my clients come to see me, I always encourage them to journal. Even though they look at me very strangely. um, (laughs) You want me to write down things? Yes, (laughs) yes, you want me to write down things. Um, And I tend to give them one too, Mm -hmm. so that then they will have something that they can keep with them. So again, it all depends on the person. If you are not comfortable writing down your things for fear that someone may pick it up, Mm -hmm. we have those types of situations. We have people who don't have enough privacy, Mm -hmm. right? So then I would encourage you, use your phone. Jot down what is happening with you. Just jot it down. It does not have to be in any long story form. It does not have to be in any kind of sequence that anybody else can understand. It is yours. So you're just jotting down things. They may just seem like random thoughts. They may just seem like you're rambling. Just jot them down. Then the next day or later down in the day, just pause and take a look at what you've written down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See if it makes sense to you. Because it only has to make sense to you, not to anyone else. Mm. Right? And then start from there. Then start analyzing. Start looking at it. Dig deeper into it. If you're not comfortable doing that, bring it to a therapy session. Mm -hmm. We can go through it together. Because, again, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to help you and guide you along your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you just start small. It doesn't have to be, like I said, a big storybook that you're writing. Mm -hmm. Just It can just be random thoughts that you jot down. 
How do affirmations fit into the process of journaling? Because oh, mm, we love this. <laughs> Your affirmations <laughs> that you chose in this book, right? They're amazing. So good. These are what? This is why I have all these little... <laughs> I know. No I markers going on. And so much things written in lots the of things, Lots of doodling. <laughs> so affirmations, an act of stating things that you are speaking into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best way to put it. And of course, there is a science behind that as well. Because we as human beings tend to think of the negative things first before we think of the positive things. True. Right? So affirmations are a way of us reframing how we think of things in general. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if you keep practicing these affirmations, because I tend to do them every single day, if you keep practicing them, you will begin to see and notice all the positive things, all the things that are going well within your life. Right? So it is an act of stating facts and or asserting something strongly that you want for yourself, that you want for your life, that you want for your future. It's interesting because you have a question here. Are there any affirmations you remember being told throughout your childhood? So I guess those are things that people would say to you that were then affirmed within Mm -hmm. your soul that made you become who you, I guess, whoever you were at that point in Mm -hmm. time. So if if there were along the negative end of things, I guess you would have to reaffirm for yourself going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think that may be important to know because some people may feel like they may have a story just going in there, some some kind of story just going in their heads all the time, some that keeps replaying itself, you know, mm-hmm. an old reel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that could be from an old affirmation, something that maybe parents said or Correct. teachers said or friends said, and you just believed it. Mm-hmm. So I guess to some degree, we need affirmations to then rebuild ourselves. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and I, my mother was always a great person to do that in terms of affirmations for me. And even though I used to think back then, you know, she's just biased. She's my mother. So, of course, she would say that, you know, you're pretty, you're beautiful, you're going to be amazing and that kind of thing. Now that I have gotten to the age that I'm at, which I won't disclose, um, to the age that I'm at, um, <laughs> it has resonated in my soul, like yeah. you said, Tracy. So you, you come to understand, especially if you have been reinforced with the positive affirmations, yeah. um, how they have impacted your life, how they have helped to build you up, how they have helped to get you to where you are mm-hmm. today. That's good. Because I said that because some people only think of affirmations as positive, mm-hmm. but they can be negative affirmations mm-hmm. and you have to rebuild your life. So you're very lucky and blessed to have a mother that would have spoken mm-hmm. wonderful affirmations into your life. And for you to continue to own that process yeah. going forward. I think that's beautiful. It is. It really, really is. In your book, mm-hmm. you mentioned something about being able to advocate for yourself. Specifically um, within the doctor's office when on your journey of mm-hmm. trying to determine the issues in terms of infertility, everything along those lines. And I kind of understood what you were saying in that. Being able to journal, being able to take that time to affirm yourself, being able to kind of think back about what you were going through, address everything that was happening with you, kind of gave you that strength Mm -hmm. because you were able to walk in there. And it doesn't even have to be a doctor's office, wherever you go. You were able to stand up and be like, this is how I'm advocating for myself because I am confident in who who I am. I know who I am. I know what I want. So we wanted to talk a little bit about how journaling can get you to that point where you start making yourself a priority Mm -hmm. and you are able to advocate for yourself so nobody can tell you who you are, which brings us right back to where we started, which Mm -hmm. is like, 
who were you before mm-hmm. the world told you mm-hmm. what you were supposed to be? Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and again, it, it is a process. It's a journey. So once you begin by prioritizing or making time, once you begin by making time to journal, then that automatically means that you are making yourself a priority. Mm-hmm. It means that you are taking your life into your own hands. You are being intentional about how you want to live. Right. You're being intentional about how you want to be viewed, how you want to be seen by yourself. Because we're not really so much concerned about how others view us. We're concerned about how we view ourselves. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest one that we have to be concerned about because we are our biggest critics. We think of all of the negative things way before the world does, mm-hmm. right? And so I think once we begin by taking time to journal, making it a consistent habit, so sometimes you may start once a week, then you increase that mm-hmm. twice a week, three times. And then you begin to understand and you begin to realize that when you miss a day, you feel as though, wait, I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. I haven't really, for me, it will be, I haven't really started my day correct because I've missed that part of my process, Mm. right? And it becomes a habit. And then once you start to do that and you, and you look at what you've journaled throughout the, throughout your journey, throughout your process, you begin to see the changes in the narrative that you keep telling yourself, right? And then that helps to reaffirm you, that helps to rebuild you, that helps to boost you up, Mm -hmm. right? And encourage you to speak out. For yourself. Because like I said, I was an introvert. I was very, very quiet, very, very shy. This would never have been in my wheelhouse at all. Right. But because I have been consistent along my journey, it has become easier for me to just get up and talk and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, with others. To connect with others. I so enjoy meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the supermarket, I would turn around. I'm just talking to people. My husband looks at me so strangely. Um, <laughs> my sister too. And they're like, who are you talking to? And I say, somebody that I just met. Because I enjoy now connecting with people. You know, trying to, to see how I leave people feeling. Mm-hmm. You know? That. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we are coming to the end of our wonderful chat with Brenda. Boo-hoo. <laughs> um, before we get to the rapid-fire fun, um, you are a counseling psychologist. Yes. Now, can you just tell us the difference between being a counseling psychologist, a therapist, and a psychologist? All are pretty much intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, counseling psychologist is that we utilize different therapies, whether they are solution-focused, whether they're mindfulness, um, into incorporating a plan to assist somebody through whatever stage of life that they're going through. Mm. Oh, yeah. I just... I never knew I that. didn't know that either. Know. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. And so we still call ourselves therapists as well because, you know, people come to us, um, they may be going through something, and we have to work them through that. Yeah. Sometimes... It, a client may just come for just a check-in mm-hmm. just to make sure that, you know, everything is balanced as they would like it to be. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that's really basically it. I'm glad you said that because a lot of people don't know they can do that. When they think about a therapist or a psychologist, they're like, oh, well, things have to be really wrong for me to call some, to call yeah. a psychologist or a therapist mm-hmm. to get any kind of help. But to know that someone can call just to check in mm-hmm. if they're feeling a bit off mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. I love that. All right, rapid fire time. Yes. All right, Brenda, are you ready for this? I think so. Got to answer quickly, okay? <laughs> you got the buzzer? <laughs> All right, so what was your favorite subject in school? History. 
I could tell. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes so much sense. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. Okay, who's the first person you call when you get some good news? My husband. Okay. You know, I was going to say your sister. That's I was going to say your sister. It's a toss up between mm-hmm. the two because I'm so close to both of them, but mm-hmm. it's generally my husband first okay. and then my sister. Yeah. What's your favorite quote? Maya Angelou. So she has a quote about, I can't remember it um, specifically, but about people may forget what you say to them, they may forget what you've done for them, but they will never forget how you make them feel. Yes. That. Oh, Brenda. And it made sense because of what she just oh, said. What she just said. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What is your most strongly held belief? That you can be anything you want to be. All right. And what's the best gift you've ever received? <laughs> I'm I'm not really one for gifts, you know. But I can always remember um, my husband gave me a gift for Christmas. It was a land bag. You know those land bags. Land was always in fashion back mm-hmm. then. And so inside of it, he had a sunflower perfume. Oh, that was a perfume that I loved. You <laughs> remember it? And then also, <laughs> Melissa has not a clue. And then also he had a handwritten letter mm-hmm. that he had put inside of it. So that was my favorite. That's so favorite thoughtful. Gift. Yeah. He needs to start giving lessons. (laughs) Brenda, thank you so much for joining us on Conscious Folk. Uh, We're just going to end with something from your book. It says, perfection is temporary and change is constant. A quote by Shanti. I love that you quoted Shanti. (laughs) And at the end it says, always strive for the changes that you can make in your life, in yourself, and you will begin to to thrive. I love that. And I love this book, Reflecting and Journaling Towards a Meaningful Life. Where can we get it? It's available locally, Cloister Bookstore, Days Bookstore, and then internationally on Amazon. Perfect. So make sure you look for this book by Brenda Roach, Reflecting and Journaling Towards a Meaningful Life. If you're like me, you're going to be doodling and writing throughout the entire thing. I read this in one morning. It's fantastic. Brenda, thank you again. Thanks for having me. It was lovely to see you. (laughs) You too. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Conscious Folk Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Conscious Folk and visit our website at theconsciousfolk.com.